it's really strange. The air outside is so terrible today, but at the same time, the smoke kind of has the city with this like golden glow to it. So it's kind of beautiful, but at the same time, it's like, wow, this is awful. I know. It's once you're outside where you're like, oh, <laughs> I'll go back in, just look at yeah. it from the window. Exactly. I'll oh. just soak up that honey tinted glow from my window and pretend that it's for good reasons. I not... know. Very cinematic, but it doesn't feel good in your exactly. body. Exactly. <laughs> Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil of Toronto, Canada. You are listening to episode 309 of the Matinee Cast. It's the movie loving podcast of the matinee.ca. Your home for cinematic passion and perspective my good people we're halfway through the year already it's it's amazing how time flies just yesterday toasting champagne and watching balls drop and getting ready for a new year and now like it's already halfway in the rearview mirror and with that you're seeing all kinds of pieces show up online about best of the year so far best books best films best shows best songs and with that in mind i i did take another moment to get this week's episode out into uh, the world because the film that we're going to talk about today um, is one that I had seen often mentioned on best of the year so far and Mm. I got curious and I wanted to see it so I did and it is one of the best of the year so far so I wanted to make sure that we got it in um, before moving on to the rest of the summer shenanigans but of course I cannot talk about a film alone. No, I cannot talk about a film alone. We needed a guest, and I'm so happy that today's guest answered the call, um, because I always have so much fun talking to her, whether it's about crazy, fleshy Cronenberg movies or some, you know, really sweet and romantic um, stories by filmmakers like Sela Maggie. Heidi Morales is here. How are you, Heidi? I'm great. I'm a little tired, but I actually feel great. But you know what? Before this episode began, I got in a nap because my, my shift today was done really early. You, you, It's funny. When we're kids, we fight so hard against them. And when we're grownups, they really hit the spot. Mm-hmm. On episode 309, we are going to be discussing past lives. And this is going to sound strange to call it a spoilery conversation. But we want to talk about this film as a complete work. If you watch the trailer for this movie, which I will embed in the show notes, and I do uh, recommend you at least watch the trailer for this movie, and maybe you'll get tempted to seek it out. Um, you'll kind of get an idea of where everything is going. I don't really believe it's the kind of movie that's that can be spoiled, and we're not going to talk about the very, very end of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but do be forewarned, if you're the kind of person who wants to know nothing, we're going to get very much into the crux of this movie. And on episode 309, Past Lives, coming right up, it's the new slang. Not really sure how to feel about it, son, and the way you move makes me feel like I can't live without you. It takes me all the way. I want you to stay. Want you to stay. Past Lives is written and directed by Celine Song. It stars Greta Lee, Teo Yu, and John Magaro. Past Lives is the story of Nora, that's Greta Lee. She and her family emigrated from South Korea to Canada when she was a young girl, leading Nora to then move to New York City in her early 20s to pursue her career as a writer. Around this time, 12 years after leaving Korea, she happens upon an old connection online, a gent named Hae Sung, that's Teo Yu. She cared for him fondly as a child. The two reconnect over Skype and rekindle 
something. Not a long-distance relationship exactly, but something more than friends. After some time, though, Nora ends the reunion, wanting to immerse herself fully in her American life and her career as a writer. This leads to her meeting another writer named Arthur, that, of course, is uh, John McGarrow, and getting married, becoming a success, and ultimately moving on from TOU. Another 12 years passes, and suddenly TOU is in New York. The two souls are in the same space for the first time in a lifetime, and this raises questions of who they are, who they were, and who they both want to be. At the outset of this film, Nora looks us in the eye. Literally. We hear a couple sitting across the bar from she, Arthur, and Son, and hear them placing guesses on who these three people are, what their story is. In this moment, Nora looks straight at us, the film itself looking at us, the audience. The expression is non-distinct. It's one of strength and nerves, of resolve and guilt. It is many things at once and many things to many people, and that is where I would like to begin. So, pop quiz hotshot. What did that look say to you at the start of this movie? What did it say to you and what did it reflect as you watched the film unfold? I think it could mean different things. And I think it maybe when I watched the film, it meant something like a question to me of like, what do I think is happening here? Like, Mm -hmm. where is this going to go? And then as I left and it's now been days after I've seen the film, I sometimes think of it as an invitation to partake in in what's about to unfold. You know, when you're in on a secret almost mm-hmm. with someone, that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. vibe as well. Like I also get that now that I think about that kind of dead on, you know. Look straight to camera. Yeah, that's a really interesting take. I think for me, what I felt in the moment and certainly what I think now after watching the whole film um, unfold, and it was fascinating to me that the film goes in a circle because we start in that moment and then we almost end at that moment. We, we take mm-hmm. that night a little bit further, but that that's basically where the, the story ends. Um, I thought in that moment that that look was sort of a a look of defiance. I thought that was a look saying, you don't know me. You don't know what's happening here. You don't know us. Uh, Because I believe that we can not getting judgy is kind of, it's kind of getting judgy. Um, But I, I believe that we can observe people and kind of think that we've got them clocked. And in reality, we have no idea what's going on in their lives, whether it's, you know, somebody who's kind of close to us or even just if it's a stranger passing on the street. Like, I I know I'm bad at this. I am really, really bad at being in a cafe just by myself and looking around at people and kind of thinking I can figure out their story. You know, you folks have been married for so many years and you're comfortable or you're by yourself and you are uh, really anxious or whatever, you know, like we, we look at the people around us and we sort of think like we have them sized up and mm-hmm. this film wants us to challenge that notion that maybe we don't. That's Actually, that's also interesting. And I think it's also valid because that is human nature. That's what we do. We observe, we, we are also, we like to pretend we know what's going on around other, around and about other people. And I think it's kind of hard to not uh, come to some, not conclusions always, but just more some ideas of what might be transpiring. Yeah, um, it's easy to project, right? 
for sure. Absolutely. So, you know, we, we haven't talked about this before we sat down uh, to, to do this show tonight. What did you think of, uh, what did you think of past lives? I really enjoyed it. I, that was a, I, that was a treat for me to see on my own. Mm. Um, there are films that, you know, sometimes I just know I, I want to watch by myself because maybe the trailer just told me something that I think, you know, I'm going to just want to sit after the film for a bit and kind of think about it or walk after the film and think about it. And this is, and from, like you said, hearing so much about it already, that it's one of the best. I kind of wanted to, to be surprised. I was pleasantly surprised, of course. And um, I'm still thinking about it quite a bit. And I, and I don't know if um, I can say whether I'm heartbroken by what happens on screen or not. I think it's just really, there's a lot of endearing moments and it's, it's mm. a kind of, I think can stay with you for a while. You know, I, I like that you looked at it and said to yourself, this is something that I want for, for myself that I don't want to, I don't want to go with friends and I don't want to go on a date. Uh, you know, I don't want to go with my partner. I just want to go be with it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm a believer in that sometimes of just being with, with art by yourself and letting yourself mm-hmm. have time in the space. You know, what I think is really interesting about it is um, I think people can hear the affection in both of our voices towards this movie. Um, but it's not, it's not complicated. Like it's not the kind of story that we haven't told each other that we haven't seen unfold in the world. Um, you know, it's not, we're not talking about inception here. It's not some grand concept of a story, but at the same time, it's just so affecting and so lovely and so sweetly constructed that you can't help, but, but stay with it. You know, like you, you saw it a few days ago and you said already that it's, it's stuck with you. I saw it uh, almost a week ago now, and I haven't been able to, to, to put it out of my brain since, since I saw it. And I love when a film can do that. I love when a film can take very, very tangible story. Uh, you know, a lot of us have met people like, Hey song. A lot of us have met people like Nora and Arthur and, and if not necessarily seeing this specific situation unfold, it's relatable, you know, and yet it, it still feels so special. You know, I think it was a wave of emotions throughout the film. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love films that um, bring audiences to an edge almost in terms of emotions. I'm not saying we're restricted. It's just more like, is this going to make me cry? Because there, sometimes there's parts in the film where I'm like, am I going to cry here? I'm not sure. I'm yeah. laughing out loud. And all of that was sort of a nice way to just, like, that's what sort of got me thinking about it as I left the theater. It was, oh, interesting. I didn't cry at that moment. Or, oh, that was really funny. Or I really love um, specific moments and the cinematography. Like I, I think you and I talk about that quite a bit in other occasions where there are things from the technical side of things that want to stay with you too, right? So I think that's where my mind went. The wave of emotions and specific aspects of the music and the cinematography that really capture the moments. I I found myself getting wrapped up in this this concept, and we will come back to it, but this concept of who you're supposed to be and who you might've been and who you could have been. This film talks an awful lot about kind of a what if idea mm-hmm. without going full blown what if and, and does it in this really, really um, elegant way. I actually was moved 
to tears at one point. Um, and I'll get into it a little bit more further. And I thought what was interesting to me is I was like, I'm crying and I don't entirely know why. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't the big conclusion at the end where this situation of, you know, this married couple and this old flame, you know, I have to make a decision between themselves. It wasn't, you know, watching the couple break up or the couple get together. It was it was kind of a moment in between everything. So I was like, mm -hmm. I don't know why I'm but I find myself that I am at the center of this story. We have these two performances by by you know of the characters of Nora and Hayson. Um, what did you make of these two performances? Uh, firstly, and more superficially, I think they're both pretty beautiful. So I was yeah. yeah the, the, everyone in this movie is wonderful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was automatically drawn to both of them on screen, um, but also beautiful in the sense of how they take up space in their characters and how they convey so much in very nuanced ways with glances or or pauses or woes, right? Like there's a lot yeah, of woes. A lot of woes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's, um, I, so I individually really enjoy their performances mm -hmm. and together, including with, um, with uh, John McGarrow, the three of them were just pretty great on screen as well, together as a trio. Yeah. So I think, I think um, it's pretty solid. Greta Lee is given more to do. There's not, there's nothing in this movie that happens without Greta Lee there, really. Yes. I mean, there's a little bit of Sung on his own in Korea with his friends. Mm. It's like a teeny, teeny little bit. But generally speaking, there's not a lot that happens without Nora there. And I loved, I loved watching her body language um she's she's a she's a very intense listener um whether she's talking to somebody on a screen or whether she's talking to somebody uh, in front of her she's she, you know she's very she's not emotive but you can mm -hmm. just tell that she is so very present um and it's it's in things from just watching um, sometimes even just watching the way she holds her shoulders, like she, she's right. sort of tell sometimes if she's really, really tense mm. or if she's really, really excited, it's, it's all very clear in her posture. And, um, it's, you know, it's, it's a wonderful piece of direction and acting watching, um, tell you that was very fascinating to me because she at one point goes, this is kind of one of those things that sailed over my head and I love that it was there. Um, she goes on when she has this reunion about how he's so Korean, you know? Mm. Uh, and, and it just, on the one hand, I do not understand it because of course it's not my, my reality. But after she says it, I'm, I'm starting to look for what she's talking about. And part of me sees it in his posture um, part of me sees it in, in the way that he is either expressive or not expressive. Watching these things, watching, um, you know, a person who's an immigrant and searching for her identity within herself. Like she's part Korean, she's part American. Um, I mean, a sliver of her is Canadian. <laughs> um, and then watching somebody who is born and bred and still very, very much Korean and how they intersect was, was just fascinating in, in the performances. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you raised that point because that is something that I discovered as well um, from hearing some of the um, interviews that director Celine Song has given, where she talks about, you know, well, I also found out that this is sort of based on something that happened to her personally, like the idea right. for the film. 
And, you know, fun fact, I also moved to Canada when I was 12. So very similar kind of journeys. You can, I think if you're somebody who's had formative years elsewhere, you do pick up on the difference that you end up having with people who continue to live in your birth country, right? Like there's uh, there's just these things that you just know or the way that even, I'll give you an example. My cousins are like, you don't sound like us or you don't even, even though we speak the same language, right? Even there's differences in the way that we pronounce the words or, you know, how we see the world, which is Mm -hmm. probably what's, you know, what her character, what Nora is also kind of really noticing head on once he's in New York. Um, Right. And it's a lot of, um, it's in a way kind of like culture shock too, I think for her, because it's almost like she's lived almost half her life in this duality of. Um, more, more than, right? Because the, the film, yes. That's right, because the she's much older than, yes. Yeah. So it's that, it's sort of that culture shock of like, oh, that's what being Korean would be as an adult and I don't have that. You know, what what you bring up there is really interesting because she mentions how uh, she's at a stage in her life where she only really speaks uh, Korean to her mom, um, right. you know, to her mom. And, and you know, so she had she was speaking it to uh, to you um, mm-hmm. that I guess it's it's that same sort of thing, right? Like you're 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 not that's how your your family is saying that your accent is different because you're not speaking your language as often as they do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even though you're still quite fluent, it's not. Right. It, it's not the same sort of language that you spoke when you left. Right. It's also even like colloquialisms have changed over time, right? So even the language that we learn as kids and then we move away, oh, yeah. there's slight changes in the day-to-day language, right? Sure, so sure. It's an interesting experience to 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 hear her character talk about those things. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, the, the, the broad conversation around film as years go on has been more and more about representation. And I think that's something that you see here in, in Celine Song's story is the idea that, you know, not only are you getting a different kind of immigrant tale, like it's not the same sort of immigrant tale of we came to the country with nothing and we had to build up our, like it's, you know, we've, we've had those. They're, they're great. They're inspiring. They're, they're, they continue to be profound because they change all the time, but that's not what this story is. Um, But the idea that in moving somewhere else, my identity is changing as a woman, as a Korean woman is, is changing in the way I'm seen you know, getting back to that first shot of looking at somebody and thinking, right. we know who mm-hmm. they are. And it's in this very specific, subtle way that, you know, a guy wouldn't tell this story necessarily. And even a Korean guy wouldn't tell this story necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. It depends on whose voice is the one that you're, you know, you're getting the story from. It's amazing because watching, um, Celine Song's direction in this movie, you already talked about how it's gloriously photographed, it's beautifully soundtracked, staged, you name it. Um, it's, I, I don't, it's, it's, it, she doesn't have too many features. And I remember coming away from it actually a little bit bummed because I was like, I want to watch more of her movies right now. Like, I want to just dive into like three or four stretch of indie films, and she doesn't have that much. So that, that's the thing is, on the one hand, I was excited to uh to come across a new storyteller and i'm now very excited for any other story she chooses to tell but i was actually a little bit disappointed that i don't have more stories to go on right away i know it's interesting to know that she started out thinking she's going to be a theater writing for theater and then you can see that 
in this, yeah, in this movie. Can, and I think you could totally see that in the staging as well, too. But, mm-hmm. you know, this story is so... I don't think I could see it in any other format that is in the film. No, because even though... I mean, even though you could do this as a play, yeah. if you wanted, mm-hmm. it, get, it, it gains so much by them being outside in the space, right? right. Like, it, it, as much as it, it is... A lot of it is in rooms, let's be clear. A lot of it is looking at laptops and a lot of it is in living mm-hmm. rooms and bars and that kind of thing. But it's still how they move through them, how the light comes through them, how, you know, sometimes they're very pragmatic or sometimes they're very romantic that really, really makes this movie. And I think that she she was wise to to expand her skill set into film. Yes, for sure. So now we have to wait, Ryan. I, I know it's it's the worst part. It's the worst part. It's just like okay, you know, and and it's not like you know, it's not, it's not like she writes books or something where I can plan on another one in, in a year or something like that. I gotta wait like two whole years at least I know. before she makes another yeah, story. Mom, she talks about um, the character of Nora also having to come to terms with her childhood and allow and that sort of in the film. And I and it I kind of makes sense now that I think about it after seeing the full film in that. Where, you know, we have these ways of seeing ourselves at different types in our lives, right? So, you know, who we are as children is one version of ourselves versus who we are in high school and then maybe as an adult. And um, Celine's song was, when she was writing the character, she was also thinking of Nora needing to be okay with letting her child self go. And the fact that her life turned out the way it turned out, because I think right. coming back into reconnecting with her childhood sweetheart, friend, bestie, whoever he might have been, mm-hmm. um, was that was giving her that opportunity to sort of think back as to who she was as a child, but then realizing I'm no longer that person that he still remembers me as, right? Yeah. So it's this tension almost. Mm-hmm. It's... I mean, it, it's it's an interesting thing because we don't we tend not to look inward very often, and what that that's a really really fascinating point because I remember one time where I went out for dinner um, with somebody who hadn't seen me in easily fifteen years, 10, 15 years, mm-hmm. and later on when we talked, they said that it was kind of surreal for them because my face hadn't changed very much um and to anybody who's never met me i'm like you know like 50 percent eyes it's usually what people notice first so especially looking at my eyes the same eyes that they knew um right. but what i was saying and my feelings on this that and the other didn't align with the same kid mm-hmm. that they knew um and it wasn't to say that i was like being all cynical and screw the world the world sucks or whatever right. but it's just Having lived, you know, a, a young adult life and gone through some things, um, my, my, you know, it, it didn't click with with what they had in mind. And I think that's one of the things that that really makes this movie is, I mean, mm-hmm. on the one hand, it's it's the, the most absurdly simple way for these two people to meet in a yes. modern context of, well, I found her on Facebook after I after we were kids uh-huh. together, you know. <laughs> It's, it's 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 so 21st century i love it um yes. at the same time i really do enjoy that it brings up that the people who we knew 
um, they are not the same people. Like forget forgetting about the fact that this woman has turned her life completely over. Um, mm -hmm. Even if she had have stayed in Seoul, um, she still would not be the same person that he knew at age. You know, it's, it's like ten or twelve. But right. that that's the temptation is you kind of see somebody stuck in amber, yes. and that's not their reality. You know, for like, it doesn't matter, like men, women, wherever you're from, your life is going to change you. It, you know, it's, it's nice to reach out to people and reminisce, but it's almost irresponsible to hope that they are the same person that you knew. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, even, I mean, I would say that even on a personal note, I don't think I would be the same person now. I'm not the same person now that I was three years ago, pre pandemic. Oh right? yeah. No, no. Yeah. You know, like life experiences are, yeah. are going to are going to be shifting how we evolve mm -hmm. time, even on something as quickly as a couple of years. Right. Yeah. Let alone 20. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. It's, it, and I like that this film has that in there just very, very neatly. It doesn't, you know, it's, it doesn't go through backflips to really explain a person mm -hmm. changes over time. And even if you reach out to them online, they are going to be different. You know, it's, even if, and especially if you love them in a certain form, you will probably still love their spirit of who they are now, but there's going to be a lot of things that have changed and it doesn't necessarily align with mm -hmm. you to say nothing of the fact that it's not even necessarily about you. Um, we, the one thing, well, the one thing we did skip over earlier and I want to circle back to it yes. is we didn't, we didn't really touch on um, too much on Arthur and mm. he's, he's fascinating. He, uh, I will say, he is the kind of man I try to be. Uh, I, I don't know that I nail it all, the, all that often. But watching this character in this movie, he's successful. Uh, he's He's got a nice little life. He's got a, a happy marriage from all that we can see. Um, and this situation presents itself to him of his wife and somebody who she used to know reconnecting and at every turn watching how arthur reacts both physically and emotionally on the one hand is fascinating on the other hand i will say is inspiring yes for sure absolutely i really really appreciated that character too um i also think it's very modern of, as, as a character or in oh, terms yeah. of trying to adult their way through emotions that are so complex at one time and but also being compassionate mm -hmm. towards their partner mm -hmm. and what they're experiencing too because you know it, it really is about Nora also going through something that she has to reconcile with because it's from her past right yeah like a, a yeah. dear friend you know or a connection from their past and also her culture like you know, that's something he doesn't share with her. But yeah. he needs to be open-minded enough to kind of just let it unfold the way it's going to unfold and trust that they love each other enough. Yeah, and, and that's the key. Like, he is written and performed as a man of trust. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of thing that I, I, I want to see that depicted. As I said, like, that's the kind of person I want right. to be. For um, sure. That's mm -hmm. you know I'm, I'm not I'm not bad I'm not saying that I'm, I'm not saying that I'm not like a tear down or anything like that but I'm, I'm I'm trying to be I'm always trying to be better and mm -hmm. I look at the way that um I look at the way that Magaro plays that I I think back 
on another film that he did just as you know it's 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 interesting that you mentioned that we're not the same people that we were even three years ago because a film that came into the world just as everything was shutting down is a film called first cow and he was a particular type of man in that film he's a particular type of man in this film um and, and just watching that unfold on screen is beautiful it's inspiring um you know i i loved watching everything from like nor coming home from first running into Sung and arthur like stops his video game takes a sip of his beer and he's like we need to have a conversation it's so neat and short and it's just like like you can tell it's it's kind of the shorthand of like all right, here we go. You know, but not in a not in an aggressive way. Like not he's not girding for a fight, but he's like you can just tell that he's like this is going to require all of my attention. <laughs> you know, and I just love that that's there. Um yes. cuz it's not always there in a movie. Uh the, like the, that on the one hand, but then on the other hand, um when he talks about how she speaks Korean in her sleep. Right. In, mm-hmm. Her default mode is <laughs> to speak Korean. Um, and that's and I've, I've talked about this with with friends of mine who are multilingual. I, I've said to them, "What is your default setting? Like, if you're talking in your head, if you're like, you know, going through a recipe or thinking about your day, how are you speaking to yourself?" And sometimes it's not in necessarily in English. Um, he talks about how she speaks Korean in her sleep, and what that says to him is there's this part of her that he just cannot access, whether he learns Korean or not. It's just it's this part of her that is closed to him and his life has been about squaring himself with that mm-hmm. and it's beautiful and it's profound and the way he um performs it is fantastic yeah yeah he does a really great job in that role um thank you for reminding me of first cow which i also loved i was thinking about it this week because i watched kelly reichardt's new movie and I, I like first cow a lot more like it's kind of right. i think it's it might be her masterpiece for me but I, he's he's in both movies so so i was thinking about first cow yeah, but totally like did you have were, were there any moments like that with Arthur where you were looking at, at at his performance and how how he fits into all of this and you were really um, taken aback? Um, I like that scene you mentioned where, where he talks about her um, dreaming in Korean. But I actually really, really appreciated what he did in towards the end at the bar. And That's there's- what I cried. That's that's what brought me. Yeah, and I can totally see that because I was also like all over the place myself, you know, and I was and and I wanted to watch every single one of them almost like if I could pause, you know, yeah, I'd watch their reactions. And and he was I don't know, I've I've been like a third wheel (laughs) to friends, you know, on dates and all that. So I kind of pick up on that energy of like he's feeling a bit like an outsider looking in but also really um, mindful that he's just allowing her to have that moment with her friend and the way that he even interacted with um, his son at the bar when she goes, I think she goes to the ladies room and how they have that moment. That was, and that was, that was precisely the moment that got me like watching him as you were describing, watching him third wheel and watching him try to um, offer some grace to this, uh to this to this evening, you know to like to really and truly like he had every right to be um offended you know that he was constantly just like 
sitting there quietly trying to catch what he could catch and not make it about him. Uh, you know, at a certain point, like as, as they go along, there's there's a lot of moments where they're translating. He speaks very, very little bit of very, very broken Korean. So I'm sure he's mm -hmm. catching words, but he's not nearly catching enough. And mm -hmm. at a certain point, they just stop. Like they're just talking to each other and they're not even trying to keep Arthur in it. Um, you know, like that, that that's one thing. But at a certain point, like the, the, the conversation just really takes a very direct um, matter of fact moment. And that's where Arthur is really left. Like, I mean, he's even cropped out of the shot. I in know. That, that moment, you know, like <laughs> Lynn Song really does not want to mince words, uh, wow. you know, in, in her visual language. But what got me is that you touched on is, yeah, um, when Nora gets up and goes to the ladies' room and he is speaking with, um, with Sung and that conversation between the two men. I, mm -hmm. I, I mean, you know, maybe I'm being sexist about it. I don't know. Uh, but that conversation where Arthur is like, it's good that you did this. I don't understand yeah, that. Just, hold on. I'm like, hang on. Whoa. Wow. And I'm just, I'm, I'm a mess right now because you've just articulated something profound and honest and just like seeing that. And it's, it's filmed in this like really, really honey coated bar, really oh, wow. romantic. It's something stupid, like four 30 in the morning. There's yeah. like two other people there. Um, that is where I was just really wowed by mm -hmm. the Celine Zong as a storyteller, these two gentlemen as actors, um, you know, you could really understand why Nora would be drawn to both of them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So they, they both kind of would be quote unquote in a way perfect for her, depending on where she would have been in her life. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I, yeah. And I, 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 the thing I appreciated about that moment the two of them had is that it's also very, um, they're allowing themselves to be vulnerable to each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah, which you As don't. Well. I mean, you don't. You don't see guys do that very often, <laughs> in general. Um, you don't. You certainly don't. Yeah, you certainly don't see it on film all mm -hmm. that much. Um, this, you know, I, I've talked a bit on this podcast about like you know depiction of modern masculinity. This is kind of what I want. Like you know, like neither one of these two guys is necessarily soft, but they're just mm -hmm. they're honest. Um, they they don't want like what I like about these guys is even though. Both of them have a lot to lose in this situation. Neither one of them seems to want to force it. You could say that Sung sort of is forcing the issue because he's the one who came to America. He's not really cajoling her in a, in a harassing way. You're making sense. And I also agree with that because he's also, I think there's a part of Sung that's trying to be uh, mindful of Arthur and his position as the husband, right? Yeah, um, and I think that again goes it goes back to this sort of modern way of being adulting and and kind of taking everybody else's kind of point of view or putting yourself in someone's shoes and yes, yeah. you want to deal with your own emotions at the same time you don't want to hurt people, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, totally, and and again, I just I love the way that that is all put. Mm -hmm. In the movie, I love the way that it's all depicted, um, the way that it's all rendered. There's a lot of times where the camera really likes to throw them off, like very off center, and keep the tension of of the of the the composition of the shot. Um, mm -hmm. 
I mean, in this in this moment, they're very low in frame. Like you can, they're they're sitting. It, it's kind of like, you know the Fableman's thing of when it's at the bottom, when the horizon's at the bottom, it's interesting. When the horizon's at the top, it's interesting. Um, here, you know, they're down around the bottom, and this very small bar is kind of dwarfing them. Um, yeah. We haven't talked too much about this one underlying theme through the movie of Inyun, which Nora describes as a Korean. Um, philosophy that means provenance or fate um the idea that you have lived other lifetimes and you will find people again in other lifetimes what i like about it is in this movie it is it is there it's it's spoken of you know, between Sung and nora it's it's, it's even spoken about between Sung and arthur um mm-hmm. but it's not bludgeoned to death this you know it's not uh it's not a multiverse movie it's it's not it's not everything everywhere all at once. Right. It's not you know any kind of the any of the comic book stories where it's like well in another timeline, you know you and I are a thing. In another timeline, you and I never meet, which is entirely possible because if one of us was not as into film as we are, we would not have met. Our circles do not overlap ever. Um, right. You know, like but so it touches on these things of. Uh-huh this lifetime and maybe you'll live another lifetime and maybe that energy is what is bringing you together and pulling you apart but it doesn't belabor the point yes exactly and i appreciate that because i think it allows the audience or it assumes the audience has that level of intelligence of picking up that that um well like she's uh celine uh celine song isn't explaining it to us verbatim more than what nora says that it may be Providence, faith, Buddhism, like, you know, this philosophy. Um, and it's it's totally moments, sort of. I think that sort of, again, the filmmaker, the, the writer, trusting the audience will kind of get that from, you know, from what they and, put together on screen. And what did you, and what did, like, what did you take away from all of that? Like, like what, what did you, when, when we got into this whole yeah. theme of Inyon, what did, what did that do for you? Well, um, I like hearing things like that in films where you kind of put in a little bit of philosophy in terms of someone's culture or, you know, um, the way they were raised, because it's something that I knew that I learned about. I didn't know about this Indian, even though I have Korean friends. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have something to now talk to them about. Um, But it's just another way that I've seen it being told in other in other ways, like in a book where. You know, you talk about what ifs. It's, it's this idea of what ifs, but it's also this kind of really interesting concept of even though we didn't have a connection before, now we have Indian because we've now kind of met. So mm-hmm. I think there's um, parts in the film when I don't remember what scene it is, but they even talk about, you know, you're walking somewhere and you like, brush against someone or, you know, those yeah. kind of moments where you will call it like, lost connections, if you will, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's, I find that, I, I thought it was really charming mm-hmm. in terms I, of the story. I think what I liked about it is while the film really does have it on its mind, it, re- it like, I mean, it comes back to it a lot in the final, in the final two or three scenes. Um, mm-hmm. we, we really are left considering Inyun. Um, Right. What I what I enjoy about it too is the way that when Nora and Arthur meet early on in the film at this writer's retreat, she fluffs it off as 
Well, it's also something that Koreans say to seduce other people. Oh, right. You know? yes, like, yes. I, I love that she takes the that piss out of, out of it in that moment. Right. You know, like here we are in this like really, really romantically charged story, this idea of other <laughs> lifetimes, other universes. You know, how many times have we come across this person in our in our reincarnation? And at the same time, it could just all be romantic bullshit that we say yes, to, to sure. get somebody's attention. You know, I, I love that little that little wink. Very cheeky of her to put that in there. This movie's amazing. It uses New York City very, very nicely. Like it turns into this, uh, you know, it's not the, it's not fantasy New York, really. You know, like it's not like a commercial. Uh, it, but, but what I love about it is that it really does make the Lower East Side very idyllic. You know, like even when they're riding on the subway, and that that part is in like oh, yes. the trailer, riding on subway. <laughs> Yeah, they, you can see how two people would really, you know, find find connection in this wandering around the East River and going on the subway and watching it sway. <laughs> you know, like that, that's, I, I, I always do kind of bristle when stories are set in New York for no reason. But this story actually like, makes the most out of this world, even right down to Arthur and Nora's teeny little apartment. Oh, you know, right. like, they really show how with the right person these tiny, tiny shoebox dwellings can can be not claustrophobic, but can actually be intimate. I think so too. I think setting worked really well um, for for their stories. And it's also, I mean, on screen, it kind of always looks nice. Yeah. Well. well, you know, I mean, like she's a talented filmmaker, you know, it, like don't get me wrong. It's, it's hard to screw up a New York setting. It really is. But at the <laughs> same time, like you want to capture it just so. And I think she really does... Um, mm. In, in in her photography, in her in her in like really truly, her toolbox is just top notch. Like I'm I'm actually surprised that she came from stage and that she's not uh, a cinematographer or or director because um, yeah. her toolbox is quite deep. I'm I'm really really looking forward to all these other movies that we're gonna eventually see. Um, well, we end every review here on the matinee cast with a souvenir, something tangible or intangible. Um, that uh, we can take away from this film and keep if we could what would be your souvenir from past lives it's the scene where they're waiting for the uber to take Hassan to the airport oh boy yeah we we won't tell people exactly what's happening in that scene but so i'm taking a uh, moment I'm yeah i gotcha um that is that's economic filmmaking right mm -hmm. there an, ep an economic performance that is a lot going on with very very little there is so much happening in that moment and like i i want to study it i just want to watch it on a loop i want to watch like every little gesture um <laughs> i want to have a commentary besides yeah. that i want Commentary. Yes, I want all, and I want all three of them. I want, I want Celine Song to tell me what is going on. I want Nora to tell me what is going on. I want Hey Sung to tell me what is going on because I mean the, the the thing that the thing that's really really interesting is it's from a distance. You know, we we've spent a lot of this film very close to these people. As I said, like you know, uh, mm -hmm. laptop screens, very close right. close ups, sitting at the bar in these small apartments, and at this key moment. We're basically across the street, you know. Mm -hmm. we're, we're like we're further back when we were than when we started this movie. Looking at them across the bar, like right. you thought that was you thought that was far. Hang on, I gotta back you up a bit. And yet we're just we're we're our eyes are locked on them. We're watching like every little flicker 
of their of their hands and their shoulders and legs. It's it's incredible. Yeah. Um, and I don't even want to tell people what's happening. It's it's incredible. Just go and see it happen. Um, for me, um, my souvenir was that retreat. I, I've never been on a writer's retreat. And, oh, right. Yes. You know, I, 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 part of me thinks they're kind of bullshit. But at the same time, it <laughs> looked great. It looked like, you know, it's like, yeah, I could see how you could get some work done, you know, get into that wonderful house, get some beautiful daylight. Like she talks about how Arthur got like the worst room. And I'm like, I bet you the worst room is still pretty awesome. It's still pretty cool. <laughs> So I want to go on a retreat. Um, we we end every matinee cast with this, with a rating on a scale of one to four stars. I'm sure people can hear it in our voice, but Heidi Morales, what do you give um, Celine Song's past lives on a scale of one to four? A four. Of course, it's just a four. This is, so far, this is the best film I've seen this year. Um, you know, I, I do look forward to the next six months. Um, I'm sure I'll be talking about this on the year-end show. Um, you know, it's possible that it will just stay at the top. That's what happened last year. But I really hope go see it it's it's a wonderful story I know, I know. It, will play, it will play well at home but i i gotta admit i really did like like you just going by myself into the dark room and just being with it that way as opposed to watching it on my couch and things making noise um if, if you're in a city that has this film available to you we're both in toronto it's still playing in theaters in toronto please go and see it it's a wonderful movie um we are going to do a kind of a truncated other side talk about other films that we thought um are, are good companion pieces to um past lives what did you where did your brain go after this movie what did you think of in terms of another story that somebody could talk to could could experience after this movie by uh by celine song I think this the where I went is very stereotypically Heidi, I guess, and I went to Wong Kar Wai. Okay. Um, because they're sort of my go-to for films that are, in a way, that he also has a trilogy, sort of to speak with, um, in the mood for love. What's the other one? Um, Chunking Express. Wait. Is it twenty forty six? Twenty forty six. Days of Being Wild, I think, as well, and. Um, yeah, but it's also, I think it was about the moods, yeah. the moments, yeah. and the cinematography, of course, because it, they do a lot, and the, and the music, although quite different from this film, of course. Yeah, and, yeah I, I, I like that you bring that up because it's not, it's, it, it's, it's, it's certainly Wong Kar Wai inspired, but it, I would not call this Wong Kar Wai-esque, and no. I, I really like that. Like, I could see... Celine Song's appreciation for his films while also not wanting to crib directly from his films. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have, a, I have another one, but I thought about that one today. <laughs> Hang on. If somebody were to pick one of the Wong Kar Wai films, oh. what, which one would you steer them towards? I think you, it has to be in the mood for love because I think that in general will just draw you in and maybe want to look for other films the way this one wants, you know, makes us want to see more of Celine Song's work. It really makes me want to smoke. I don't. I don't <laughs> I smoke. smoke. I've <laughs> never smoked. But man, just smoking in that movie just looks so great. Yeah, so you know? <laughs> Yeah, very much so. Um, if people have never seen In the Mood for Love, I highly recommend it. Um, it's one of the greatest films of this century. Um, do seek it out. Um, it's it's usually pretty easy to track down. It, it shows up on, I think it's on Criterion Channel right now. Um, in Canada, it's, it's on things like um, Hollywood Suite tends to have it quite a bit as well. Um, the first one that jumped to mind for me 
I know there was another one at the time and I lost it. I wish I'd marked it down. Awesome. Um, I, I knew we were, you know, I knew we were doing a podcast. So you'd think I'd be prepared. Um, but the one that jumped out for me was um, the old David Lean film, B- Brief Encounter. Have you ever seen that? Oh, yes. I forgot about that. David yeah. Lean. <laughs> I mean, what I love about it is that it's a short David Lean film. They, 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 they almost never happen. You know, you're yes. you watch Dr. Zhivago for like five hours or whatever oh, it is. I just um, watched Dr. Zhivago, which I love. <laughs> I, I just watched it for the first time last year, actually. Um, you know, while we were still kind of staying inside of it. Um, oh, yeah. So brief encounter. Cool. Yeah, so brief encounter. I mean, it is brief. It, it's, it's about 90 minutes. Um, just really, really beautifully shot black and white movie. Um, quite literally about a brief encounter between um, this this British housewife and, um, and and a gentleman who she who she becomes. I mean, you know, the, their their relationship is rather chaste, um, but for the time, it's actually kind of scandalous. Um, and yet, it's it's yeah. never it's never it's never actually consummated. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, but at the same time, there's all these very charged moments of, uh, you know, waiting for the train and sitting in a cafe and going to the movies and that kind of thing. And seeing, um, you know, seeing this this married woman get a glimmer of something else, the same way that Nora does in this movie. She yes. gets a glimmer of another life um, watching it. You know, it, it's funny because I actually had a lengthy conversation with Lindsay about it when I first watched it way back when i first started this site i don't even think i was podcasting yet um and we had very very different opinions on it and my opinion on the relationship within it has changed like at the time i was like oh yeah men and women can be friends they're very you know it's a, she just she meets a person and they're and i'm like i was <laughs> you know, like i there, there's very clearly a lot more going on in this movie than mm-hmm. i was trying to say at the time that was me projecting my own thing but yeah um Brief Encounter. I'm I'm a big fan. Um, I see a lot of that movie in this movie again, without being a direct lift. That that's what I love is is it's all interpolated by Celine Song into this unique piece of its own. Um, you said you had another one. I did, and that was sort of. Um, I don't think it's totally a. It's not like a romance film, in case people are thinking of that. Um, but it was Remains of the Day. Oh yeah. Okay. Anthony, Hopp- and that's also from like the nineties, yeah. and I I think that might be from the he- the heydays of the Merchant Ivory production. Oh, yeah. very lavish and based on books. Um, I think the reason I thought of that is more about Anthony Hopkins' performance, and well, not just him, but Emma Thompson, uh, and they're so like refrained, right? And there's a lot of what ifs, and there's a there's a relationship there that could be but isn't. And yeah. I think it was about those moments so where there was nothing being said that I thought, okay. okay I think what I love about what I love about that one too is so it's so British. It's like it, it's 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 like unbelievably British, but it's a novel by Kazu Ishiguro. So mm-hmm. you know you're watching the interpretation of uh you know of of a very very british story um by a writer who you know he is not british it's 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 wonderful to see it's it's kind of the the opposite of celine song telling her very specific korean american story like watching a japanese writer tell a british story and, and and see what he sees 
in this in this moment is really really fascinating yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a minute I, I gotta i gotta get back to that thank you for reminding me of that and uh, and thank you for coming here for this shorter episode um where we just sung the holy praises of past lives and hopefully pointed even just one person towards this movie because i really really want people to see it um and that is episode 309 of the matinee cast. I'm so thankful that Heidi was able to come by. Come on back. I'm going to get back on schedule. I promise. Monday, July 17th for episode 310. Uh, we're either going to talk about Asteroid City or we might talk about Nimona, a new animated film that is coming to Netflix. Heidi's a fan. Okay. So maybe that's a ringing endorsement for Nimona. Heidi, are, are you are you working on anything right now that people can look into, can follow? You're writing, you you programming what are you doing just living life all of the above but um yeah so we're gonna get into more time spent programming for blood in the snow film fest which is a film about canadian horror sci-fi action you name it um but i think i'll shift for the summer a little bit and, and enjoy a bit of local theater like yeah, it's, it's you know what it's it's been a hot minute since I went to Fringe, so um, I'm looking forward to, to seeing what you see and hopefully you know I, 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 I'm I'm actually saying and hopefully getting out more even though over the last two weeks I've been out like almost every night and I'm bloody exhausted. But you mentioned you're like, hey Ryan, want to go see some independent theater? I'm like, yes, I haven't yes, done I enough. Um, we need to support. Yeah. We need to support. <laughs> yes, yes, we do. Uh, looking forward to keeping up with that. If people want to follow you online somewhere, where's the best place to follow you? Uh, people can try my website, which is uh, highmusings.ca, and my handle for the socials is H-Y-E-M-U-S-I-N-G-S. Very nice. There will be links in the show notes, of course. My site is thematinee.ca. For more uh, episodes, you can find them by going to thematinee.ca. You can find them as well on uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, Pocket Cast, TuneIn. You name it, I'm there. If you use some sort of podcatcher that I'm not on, let me know and I'll put my show there. It's real easy. Everything gives you handy ways to subscribe for free and get alerts when your episodes drop. Feedback on past lives can be left in the comment section of the site. You can email me, ryan at thematinee.ca. Uh, I'm still sort of around on Twitter, matinee underscore CA. Um, Instagram, or sorry, not Instagram. Uh, yeah, Instagram. You want to follow me there? I'm there too. Um, and of course, Letterboxd. Um, I'm there as well. Uh, any final thoughts, Heidi? No, I just want more people to see past lives. Yes, That's please. I, I, I really, really, you know, like, I don't want to, I don't want people to think, as I said, like, I don't want people to think that it's like, this is not the Matrix. You know, it's not going to change cinema as we know it. But it's just so beautiful and so poetic. And, uh, you know, it'll just, it'll, it'll, it'll make you feel something. It'll make you think about something. And that's, that's all I want. Like, while I do enjoy this time of year, movies being big brainless spectacle mm -hmm. some want something a little bit less brainless i want some brain to it and this movie just has so much brain and so much heart um that i really you know hope people find this film exactly there we go for heidi i'm ryan we'll see you at the matinee